Hello, fortune seekers. How did you make a game? See, this is the question I hear most often from friends and family who when I tell them about our card game. Today, we will answer the most important part of that question. How to get started using the principles of MVP to set attainable goals to make something worth developing. Today, on the official Mega Moth Studio podcast. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Joel Watts, and as always with me is the co-creator of X Seekers of Fortune, the co-founder of Megamoth Studios, and my creative partner and friend, Daniel Ayub. How are you doing today, Danny? I'm doing pretty good, Joel. Excellent. Excellent. How about I think you? I'm, what are you doing? How you doing? I think I'm doing a lot better. We took a quick break so I could use the restroom, and boy, I think that cleared my mind quite a bit. So it makes a world of difference. Yeah, yeah. Just you know, think about when you're in the movie and like you don't want to get up, but then like just the pressure keeps building, and you're like, oh my god, how long? Much longer. It's yeah. a terrible feeling. It is a terrible feeling. In fact, that, that inspires me. But we're going to talk more about that later. Now that you've inspired me, um, what I do want to talk about today is first. Last week, episode eight, we discussed our pop culture influences on our game, X Seekers of Fortune, and asked ourselves the very important question, are we just a ripoff? If you want to hear more about that, just go back one week in um, wherever you're watching this, whether that be YouTube or your favorite podcast app, but go back to episode eight and you'll hear all about that. But today in episode nine here, we're going to be talking about um, how we have used the concept of MVP, and that's not most valuable player, that is minimum viable product in order to help us create our game X Seekers of Fortune. And we're going to be talking about that and uh, kind of explaining the principle and why it's so important to use. Um, but if this is your first time hearing of us you in uh, our game called X Seekers of Fortune, uh, you might want to take a moment to check us out. Now, you can do that at a variety of places. We're on TikTok at Megamoth Studios. Instagram, we're X underscore seekers underscore of underscore fortune and then on facebook you would just find us at x seekers of fortune but ultimately the simplest way to find us right now is to google x seekers of fortune our, our main uh, our webpage megamothstudios.com is the top result whenever you do google that and the next result will be the tabletopia clients where you can play our game today but whatever you do absolutely do not google triple x seekers of fortune that would be a bad idea do not do it <laughs> yeah uh, yes uh i definitely keep the safe search on if you're looking for that though maybe someday we'll be asking you to google for that if, uh, uh, i don't know that would be a really weird turn for our company to take <laughs> <laughs> well i think i think as you said before not to get too in the details but there's certain markers of success and let's just say if there was a triple x seekers of fortune out there i think that would be a marker of our success well actually now that i think about it this reminds me of when you were pitching the game from the other day i think that people are definitely going to call on that and know that <laughs> we have something up our sleeve yeah uh well we can you know hopefully uh there's we'll we'll be we'll have a character named yeah, as if that's not already a really bad movie. But suffice to say, at this point, I do not believe Triple X Seekers of Fortune is a movie, but someday it may be. Right now, though, X Seekers of Fortune is a game, and it's a game we're going to be talking about and how we developed. Because often people are asking, how'd you make a card game? How'd you come up with this idea? 
And you know what? There's not a simple answer, but there is definitely a place that we can start with answering that question. And we're going to get into that today with our topic about minimum viable product. But before we do that, as always, we have the question of the week. And Danny, I have to admit to you something. What's that? I did not write the question of the week before we started. I was still trying to brainstorm what it would be. Um, but you inspired me. Okay. Danny, what's what movie did you hold your bladder for the longest in order to try to make it all the way through? Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, you know, it's weird because there's definitely a lot of times that it's happened to me, but you can't like necessarily recall exactly which movie it was that I was watching at the time that it happened. Uh-huh. So like, I don't think I can give you a specific instance. I could tell you that I remember very clearly this, the, 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 the pain and discomfort of feeling like your bladder is going to explode. Mm-hmm. And then like the sudden like building resentment towards a movie that you were previously enjoying as it just takes a few minutes longer to, to conclude. Yeah. I do, yeah. I do recall having to get up in the middle of Indiana Jones and the dial destiny, but I think that has more to do with uh, my small bladder than it does <laughs> with the movie being overly long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a pretty quippy one. I, I unfortunately had downed like what three drinks or something like that, three big drinks at the AMC theater we went to. And I think I went to the restroom like three times during that movie. So I actually yeah, I counted. I, I, was, kept, I, I kept it. I kept a note of it in my Apple notes. <laughs> uh, you're always telling me use Apple notes for things. I'm like, okay, I'll use it for keeping track of how many times you pee during this movie. Mm-hmm. I can, I, I think I can legitimately say I probably missed enough of that movie to say that I have to watch it again to really count it as a movie I've seen. Um, but, you know, when you got to go, you got to go. one time you came back from the bathroom, like, who's the guy in the hat with the whip? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay. But, yeah. What's his name again? Um, I actually had a recent experience. I can't remember the last time I really just held out. And that could be such a a risky thing to do these days because I feel like movies have a tendency to end multiple times. You know, so you could, you could think, oh, there's based on my knowledge of movies, there's 10 minutes left in this movie and to only be surprised that it's actually like, you know, it was really 30 minutes, but I did go and see Barbie, uh, with my girlfriend this past weekend. Um, really late show too. We we're talking the movie started at 1130, which means the movie didn't really start until 12 midnight. Yeah. I I'm getting a little old for that kind of thing. I remember when we used to go to midnight showings or even later than midnight showings. And, uh, I just can't imagine like signing up for that, but I was watching Barbie and I had to go to the bathroom and I, I clocked the movie. Like I felt like either the movie ends now soon, or it has another 30 minutes in it. And so I decided better to go now than not. And it was during a scene, I don't want to get too into the details in case people haven't seen it, but basically it was during like kind of an emotional scene. And, you know, I go to the bathroom, I come back and I'm happy because I feel like I made it. I just missed that one scene. It's not like it was still the same scene I left during. Uh, But then I sat down next to my girlfriend and I find out that the scene was so emotional that she had started crying. And so I felt like I missed probably her favorite moment from the movie. But do you think that if you would have stayed, you probably would have started crying because you had to pee so bad? Yeah, probably. I so, mean, I, mean, I, get, I, get, I get kind of cranky when I have to use the restroom. So I think she would prefer me to go than to 
than, than to be in a cranky mood. I have a question for you. Did you dress up for the Barbie movie? I kind of actually, I have, I I have a, a pink shorts that I put on and I put it on with kind of a powder blue polo. So I tried to, I tried to do my best to kin it up. I, I definitely don't have the kin physique necessarily, but you know, I would try to go with a kin fashion choice. I wore the same thing to Oppenheimer. <laughs> we got, we, we could have been twinsies. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's about it for the question of the week. So why don't we take a quick break and we'll be right back with the topic of the week. Hey, Joel. Yeah. Hey, Danny, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing real good. You know why? I know I do not. I just won the lottery. Congratulations. Thank How much you. did you win? $700 billion. Why, why are we talking like this? We could be anywhere. Because it's something even more exciting is happening. No way. Yeah, because it's Tuesday. You know what that means? Tuesday? Uh, I Well, I usually uh, do nothing on Tuesdays. What, what does Tuesday mean to you? Tuesday is the day that I won $700 billion and also Tuesday Night X. What's Tuesday Night X, Danny? Tuesday Night X is a really cool time that you can have with other people on Discord live. And you should totally come instead of doing absolutely nothing. I don't know about that. I mean, doing nothing's, you know, pretty gratifying. I can just sit there, stare at a wall. Well, this, this is what makes Tuesday Night X so amazing. You can like just turn it on on your Discord and like listen to people and watch people play X Seekers of Fortune and you can listen and play as well or you can just sit there and lie there and do absolutely nothing. Well, okay, so you're saying my choices are get on Discord and chat with cool people and I'm, you know, about our game or do nothing. I want $700 billion and I do it. You should do it too. Oh, no, I just found out I got scammed. I'm bankrupt. Gosh, this sucks. Guess I'm going to have to go to Tuesday Night X to lick my wounds and feel better about it. Oh, I'm sorry to hear you're bankrupt again, but I guess we could just, you know, get together and play some X Seekers of Fortune and, uh, you know, participate in Tuesday Night X in order to feel better about that situation. Yeah, I'm going to do that because I need to face off against some rivals. I have new rivals, the people who scammed me out of my $700 billion and made me bankrupt again. But I would rather just go rival against you, Joel, because that makes me feel better. Oh, d no, Danny, don't. <laughs> don't take it out on me. I'm not going to take it out on you, but I am going to save you from doing absolutely nothing on a Tuesday. Well, if you insist, I guess I'm going to go and participate in Tuesday Night X. That's going to be every Tuesday on Discord. What time does it start? It starts at 8 p.m. Central Time and it goes till midnight Central Time. Wow. Uh, four hours? That's yeah, a lot it's of four hours. That's a lot of time I could be doing nothing. But yeah, if you think I should be doing something, maybe the something I should be doing is Tuesday Night X. Yeah, you should definitely be doing Tuesday Night X instead of doing absolutely nothing. OK, well, if you insist, Danny, I mean, you are the guy who won seven hundred billion dollars and the guy who got scammed out of $700 billion, and you know something fun to do on Tuesday nights. I've so just got one question for you, Joel. What's that? Can I borrow some money? All right, welcome back to the official Megamoth Studio podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Joel, and as always, I'm with... Danny, I'm Danny. Yes, you are. And Danny, I got a question for you this week. And it's not the question of the week, but it's our main topic. Okay, this seems unusual. Yeah. 
So, Danny, let's talk about our most valuable player in making X Seekers of Fortune, and that would be Minimum Viable Product, MVP. Danny, what's wrong with a bare minimum? Uh, well, that just kind of depends on what we're talking about, you know. I mean, if we're talking about relationships a whole lot, uh, you know, uh, this is not supposed to be a PSA about how to do do less, put forth less effort in life, let more people down. This is about how you can use the bare minimum to your advantage by defining what it is through a minimum viable product. So what, what that means is essentially that when you're looking at how to advance a product or a project, you should think of it in terms of iterations. And each iteration should have what we would describe as a minimum viable product. And so what that is, is you're defining functionally what is the bare minimum that this product needs to be able to achieve in order to meet its required functionality to serve at that phase of development. So um, this is, is, is something that we've spent a lot of time and energy uh, discussing. And one of the big ongoing conversations that we have uh, when we're working on any product or, pro uh, sorry, when we're working on any problem associated with the game, be it a creative decision or a marketing decision or a legal decision or whatever it is, we always say, okay, well, what is the, the bare minimum we need here to advance to the next stage? Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and Joel, do you have any examples off, off the top of your head, how we've kind of approached this in the past, just specifically, you know, defining bare, the bare minimum, the minimum viable product for, you know, a, a project that we've worked on? Well, I mean, I think, right on the get-go, getting started with the game, we had to define minimum viable product. And I don't think we were using that term at the time, but I told myself, and uh, we kind of went over this in the episode where we talked about the templating of the cards and you know getting the game set up on Tabletopia so we could, we could try it together for the first time. Um, I think I, you know, without knowing what the terms were, I just told you, all right, Danny, we're going, I'm going to get this game. We're going to get the assets together for this game so we can get it set up. And what that's going to look like is, you know, cards, white cards with black text and maybe clip art on them because we knew that we just needed to see if the game would function. So it's like the way I think about it is you have to sort of take, you have to sort of break it down into like a much more attainable step that you can take to build momentum. Because if we sat down, it's like, we're going to make a game and that game is going to look like a finished product from the get go and be ready for the market by the time that we're, we're ready to play it. There would have been so many different like things that I would have had to have been working on from textures and templates and, and then we had still had to think about the rules of the game and we wouldn't even had time to play the game because I would still to this day be working on all the art assets. So one of the keys I think is you need to be able to do the bare minimum to get things up and going. That way you can then continue to iterate on it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that, you know, a great example here as, as you're, you're mentioning the black and white art is, you know, we could have jumped in really early, started creating, you know, AI concept art, which is time mm -hmm. intensive. Mm -hmm. But the second you change a card or you change the name or you change the theme of the game, all that work, all that effort goes out the window. So it's really important to understand at what stage of a process it's appropriate to be doing certain tasks. 
And mm-hmm. by defining the, the, the minimum viable product or what the bare minimum for advancement in the iterative process is, you're really making sure you have a good scope of work for the stage you're at and that you're not expending labor on you know, tasks that are going to end up having to be duplicated down the line. You know, I think the, the main thing is you're always trying to figure out what is the bare minimum that we need to establish with this product to get it to start working for us at whatever level we need it to be working. And in the example you gave, we're talking about we need a base level prototype. Do we need fancy art for that? Do we need textures? Do we need, honestly, even great formatting? Or does it even need to be, you know, have every word spelled correctly? No, it just needs all the game pieces in a format that we can go through and, and figure out whether or not the basic mechanics run. Exactly. Yeah. Like there's a reason it's called prototyping and, you know, um, you can iron out a lot of things because there's another side of minimum fightable product because the, the MVP gets you started. And then the idea is that you have to keep iterating off of that. And we've had rapid iteration sessions, sometimes so rapid that it's like within an hour, we've gone through like nine different iterations of a design or an idea that we've been batting around. Um, But honestly, if the audience wanted to get a real taste of minimum viable product versus like in where iteration takes it, this is episode nine of our podcast. So we're still we're still very early on and we haven't quite attained our final form we have higher highs to get to in terms of setting and equipment and things like that but if you go back and look at episode one and look at like how our cameras are set up how the lighting is set up you know what what we're talking about how the show formats that was definitely us just hitting mvp for the podcast just to get started because you 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 can change you know once you get started and get momentum you can sort of start tinkering and iterating especially when you know like okay we have to rush to get to this point like each week we have to stop and say no matter what we have to start recording the podcast and so no matter you know at that point it's like well stop fudging with your background stop fudging with your lights you just have to get it set up and go but it does give you a chance that when you're done you can be like okay i want to do that better and you can get set up for that next one. And you know, every now and then with the game, we have uh, like a big rush to get our assets put together better for some sort of um, big event. Like one of the last times that happened was the Houston uh, Comic Palooza. Uh, we knew we had the game ready to go, but I wanted to you know see a big change in terms of the aesthetics of the game. Specifically, the Action X cards used to have different a different background to them, uh, a border. And I knew going to Houston for such a big show, I had I had an idea of how I wanted to change something uh, on the cards with the background. So I went ahead and did a rush to get that done. But I wouldn't have had, I wouldn't have even known that I wanted to make that change if the cards didn't already exist in some form. Because you can, you sort of have to get something down on paper in order to edit it. Just like everything else, you know, they say writing, writing is rewriting, well, design is redesigning. And yeah, that you need to get your minimum viable product down so you can iterate upon it. One of the things that's super empowering about it too is oftentimes when you're working on a creative project, it can seem really daunting because there's just so much you need to do when you start thinking about every single thing that needs to go into the final final form that you're imagining in your head. But it's very liberating to be able to say, okay, well, what do I need right now? Let me make a basic checklist and I'm just gonna do those five things. 
And one of the things that you'll see is that incremental progress really compounds very quickly into impressive results. And one of the examples that I would give from our, our own personal experience developing X Seekers of Fortune is, you know, we started developing X Seekers of Fortune, I would say like September or October of 22. And you know, we went through, we, we started really great. You know, we were talking every day. We had started breaking the game. We were doing really, really, really great work. And then, of course, the holiday season hits and everyone has holiday plans and everything gets out of whack during the holidays. Nothing's normal during that December month, right? And we kind of lost a lot of momentum. And I can remember coming into January of 23 and being like, you know, is this where the game sputters out and, you know, we don't continue to carry it forward? And I remember just saying, like, no, I'm going to make a concerted effort to do just one thing to advance the game every single day. And, Joel, you did the same sort of commitment to yourself, I believe, not too long after. And the amount of momentum we gained and the, the, um, the, the speed at which the, the progress in the game began to snowball just doing one thing per day became incredible. And, what, and then you do one thing and then all of a sudden you find yourself doing two or three things or four or five things. And... But you just do that one thing. And it has to be an honest thing that's going to advance it. You can't just say, well, I'm going to doodle a note on this piece of paper, and that's my one thing. It's like, no, like, what is like something that actually is a step forward? I'm going to contact this person that I need to to get a quote. I'm going to you know, develop this piece of concept art I need. I'm going to tweak this mechanic. I'm going to upload this document. You know, there's all kinds of different things. Um, mm -hmm. Do you remember when that, that moment happened for you, Joel? Um, that was a good question, because it, it is like... I, I think you make a great point there um, that I believe you still had, were reading Atomic Habits at the time, which I haven't read the book, but I do know some of the principles that are in it. And it does remind me of, you know, setting these minimums for yourself. It's like, if you want to go for a run every day, you don't start by saying, I'm going to go out there, I'm going to run two miles. What you start by saying is, I'm going to sit down and put on my shoes, my running shoes. And then the next day, you're like, I'm going to sit down and put on my running shoes and walk outside you know, and then, you know, and set like those minimal goals so that you can build momentum. And it's hard, you know, it was definitely near the beginning of the year. I remember you just expressed that idea to me, you know, that you said, I, uh, what, you know, we just have to do something for the game every day. And I think it just, you know, you said the right thing at the right time. It clicked for me. And I just remember that's when I started not necessarily, you know, just finding time on my days off or if I got off early from work and I could come home and I felt in the mood, that's when I started and to make possibly to the detriment of my exercise routine, I started like waking up and sitting down at my computer shortly after getting my cup of coffee and getting straight into doing, you know, design work for the game, especially I think it was crucial at that time because I think we were going from the initial prototype uh, with the black and white clip art cards to trying to get something that looked more like what the game looks like today. And uh, I think like it went from me like, you know, maybe working on the game two or three days a week to waking up and starting on it every single day. Yeah, I mean, there are days when I'll, I'll call you and it'll be like, you know, it's not the first time we've talked. We probably talk a uh, embarrassing amount of time per day. I don't know, two to three hours of <laughs> on the phone time per day. But <laughs> I'm sure my girlfriend's jealous of it. <laughs> um, 
But I, you know, there's been plenty of times I'll call you, you know, in the middle of the afternoon and you haven't done anything because you just got sucked into some sort of project on the computer. And I think that, you know, obviously balance is really important. And I think, you know, that's something that you and I are, are, are always working on is trying to figure out how do we, you know, not go too far and get consumed by the project. You know, how do we make sure that we're making time for other things in our life? Um, you know, because you can't go all in at the expense of, you know, what makes you feel, what makes you be able to function as a, as a person in general, right? Like if you do that, then you empty up your cup, you know, there's nothing to pour from. You're not going to be able to put anything in the game because there's nothing left in you. Right. So you mm -hmm. have to find a healthy balance. Yeah. I mean, this could be its own topic for its own you know day because we are getting uh, drifting a little bit away from minimum viable product MVP. But I would say that I am now starting to t ask myself, you know, um, what do I need to do in my day before I start working so I don't forget to do it, you know? So I am trying to get back into the habit of like going for at least a, a morning walk, if not a morning jog. And, uh, it's, and if not that, then to go to the gym and lift some weights. Um, it just gets really tough <laughs> during the summer in Texas. Like if you miss your window to go out before like 10 AM in the morning, then you've basically missed your window to like have something of a moderate temperature to go for uh, exercise. Um, if you wait any longer than that, it's going to get up into the upper nineties, if not into the hundreds. And it's, you know, it's miserable. I've from experience, I can say it's miserable to go for a run, uh, when it's that hot outside, but, um, you know, so I guess the, the flip side of the minimum viable product is definitely, you know, what are the minimums you need to do for yourself every day in order to, live a healthy lifestyle and to feel your best. And, you know, whether that be your diet or your exercise, you know, definitely, you know, apply the same principles there because, you know, is it better to brush, you know, floss your teeth and brush for like two straight minutes than to just brush your teeth for 30 seconds? Yes, it is better. But if your minimum is I'm going to just put the toothbrush in my mouth and swish it around for 30 seconds, more often than not, you're going to just keep going and hit the two minutes. Absolutely. And I, I think one of the other benefits, I, I think that's a great point, Joel, and I, I really hope that everyone at home hears that and takes it to heart. Um, but speaking generally about the, the other part of this conversation, which is the iterative process, which we're not going to go super deep on, but I think it bears a little conversation, which is, you know, you have to look at every single step of a project as being a phase. And you start with your 1.0, and then you go to your 1.1, and then your 1.2, and you work your way up to 2.0. And you never try to rush a step and say, okay, we're going to go from zero to three. You go to zero to one, one to two. And the reason why you do that is it's much easier to see the steps that it's going to take to go from zero to one. It's much more manageable. You're starting to get a sense of success as you, you know, reach those different stages. You're unlocking new use cases, ways that you're, you're going to be able to use this to your benefit. So, you know, you have to crawl before you walk and walk before you run, you know, to, to be super, super, you know, um, what is that, idiomatic? Like, I, I think it's really important that you do not try to jump ahead of yourself and don't feel bad taking it slow. Be methodical, plot things out, really think about what the bare minimum is. Again, you know, this, this conversation is, is about the iterative process, not your relationships.
you know, the bare minimum in your relationships is, is a recipe for, for disaster. So, um, <laughs> well, and I mean, well, also, I mean, I w we could say like, this is a principle to get started. This is not a principle to get finished either because yeah, the bare minimum in your relationships would be bad. But imagine if we had just decided, okay, well, we got, we figured out, you know, back when the game was lost arts and it was just the black and white cards with clip art on it. if we had just said, okay, we haven't figured out, let's just keep go. let's just take this to market. Imagine just how, well, we would not have had the reception we would have had. We would have wasted a lot of money getting the cards printed, probably would have ran into lawsuits over the clip art that we use because I didn't check to see if that was public, free public domain use because it was not meant for print. It was just to get us set up so that we could decide if this was something we did want to invest our time into. And the amount of changes that have happened since those cards came into existence, which, you know, was the minimum viable product for us to just test the game and see if, you know, if we wanted to move forward with it, the amount of changes that have happened within the last month versus the last, how long ago was that, you know, six, seven months ago that we were playing that version of the game is, you know, baffling. It's like the night and day. It's like, this is not, you know, if your minimum with your relationships in life is I am going to go in and, you know, say hi to my spouse or, you know, uh, I don't know, just uh, ask my child how their day was, you know, it's it's going to be good to get things started. But yeah, you definitely don't want to start stop there. Your minimum is to get you started and then you want to go as far as you can, you know, uh, with it after that. And you should definitely be aiming ultimately for more than the minimum viable product. But the minimum viable product is like kind of like when you're when you wake up and you're feeling like, I really don't want to deal with my day, you look at your minimums and it's like, okay, I have to get out of bed and do, you know, I have to water the plants, feed the cats, you know, say hi to my partner, you know, and even on your worst days, if you just hit those minimums, it's going to make up your life a lot better. Absolutely. So if we don't have any more specific uh, conversation points, I'll just recap the key takeaways if you want, Joel. Yeah, so sounds great, Danny. Remember, you know, the, the whole point of minimum viable product is to define the bare minimum for functional advancement. Uh, remember that it is, uh, remember that the iterative process isn't about perfection, it's about progress. Uh, remember that incremental progress compounds into impressive results. And that uh, the key is that you're not chasing advanced features before allowing a basic product to start doing some work for you. You know, that's a really important delineator there, right? Uh, when you're defining the minimum viable product, it's the minimum viable product to get something up to the point where it's functioning for you in some way. And the reason why you're, you're getting this up and running is because once it does, it's going to unlock new information for you, new data, new uh, ways to uh, advance in some, in, towards your end goals in some important way. 100%. No, that's that's a really great list right there, and yeah, and, and and do just remember that minimum viable product will be evolving with your product. Like you know, what we would consider our minimum viable product for the next time we go and print our prototypes uh, is going to be the bar is going to be so much higher for what that is compared to those first you know that first Tabletopia demo, and you know rightfully so because we've climbed that ladder slowly and surely because we keep hitting more attainable MVPs as we go. But that's it for this week. Next week on the show, um, we are going to be looking at celebrating our 10th episode. Danny, it's our 10th episode. Can we believe it? We've made it this far? I, I can't believe it. And we only used AI to produce seven of them. I know. Well, speaking of... 
we do have a super secret announcement next week. So why don't you tune in for that? What is We're it? Gonna let you, well, it's super and it's secret. A super it's secret announcement? Yeah, a super secret announcement. I can't tell you about it right now, Danny. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, with that said, that's uh, uh, you know what you have look for. Look, that's what you have to look forward to next week. But I think we have one more thing to get into this week before we get out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as everyone is aware, the end of the, the podcast is my domain. I get to come up with something random. However, it seems like more often than not, something random is a game. And so I have decided that I think that we should change this segment from something random to the game of the week because I like games and Joel likes to play my games. <laughs> so I'm going to come up with a new game every week. I think, that, I think that you like me playing your games a little bit more than I like playing your games, but we're going to see about that. I, I guess you have some, you have some uh, a forum to test yourself and to see how much I enjoy your games here. Yeah, absolutely. So most weeks I'm hoping that the game is something that, that the listeners can play along uh, with us at home and they can share their answers if, if there are answers to share on Discord or even cooler if they come up with a TikTok and tag us and then... If you do record your answers on a TikTok, we'll uh, we'll show it off on a future episode. I haven't cleared that with Joel, but I'm sure that he's not going to have any problem with me doing that. That sounds like a great idea to me. I love uh, I love to see what our community can come up with. In fact, if you haven't been to the Discord yet, you should go there and check in the arts and crafts section. We do have some wonderful artists in there, artisans uh, making wonderful crafts, and you can just get some probably some inspiration and connect with other um, crafty people, other artists. And I'm really looking forward to seeing more work featured there because we do hope to feature more of that work here on the podcast. Okay, so let's jump into it. Joel, are you okay. ready? Yes, I am ready. Okay, good answer. Okay, so here's here's the thing. Every week when I, when I pitch you a new game, because it's going to be a new game, um, at the end of the game, you get to, to rate it as would play again or would not play again. Okay. okay. So basically either... Either a thumbs up, would play again, or would not play again. Boo. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And I'm sure these are all going to be would play agains because I know that you think I am very good at coming up with games you enjoy. So this game this week is called The Taste of Foot. What? It's called The Taste of Foot. Um, okay. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I, I don't. I, I do want to say I don't want to do anything that would uh, require pixelization. And if I take this off, I feel like we'll have to pixelate. No, I don't. Literally, mean you're going to taste your foot. Well, okay. I don't know. Maybe. Well, that that's a good idea for a future episode. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I I have one that like I have like uh, I I would rather be nude in front of the camera than to show off my feet. Okay, well, I think all of that can be arranged. So <laughs> the tag for this game is, uh, is The Taste of Foot, a game where the last person with a, with, sorry, The Taste of Foot, a game where the last person without a foot in their mouth wins. Okay? Okay. So I've got three questions for you. All you need to do is answer them, and I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm seeing through your machinations. All right. All right, number one. Explain how the following two things are alike in a favorable way. A relationship and an infection. Well, sometimes you have to like have something uh, come in from the outside 
for you to really reevaluate your inside and your, your <laughs> inner life. And you almost need somebody to look at it, at the life that you're living in order to be more aware of it. And if you find yourself in a situation where you have an infection, you definitely need, you know, uh, you definitely need to stop and think about how you're living your life. And if you find yourself in a place where you have a relationship, well, in a very similar way, you might want to stop and think about how the, how did I end up here? Okay. Okay. I, I think, I think you, you navigated that favorably. Uh, we'll see maybe in the comments, people can let us know whether or not Joel escaped that one without putting his foot in his mouth. All right. Here's, here's another one. Although I feel like this one is probably going to blow up in my face, but okay. Number two, who of the people you know would be most likely to be a supervillain in an alternative universe? Why? And give us a description of their latest plot for global t catastrophe. <laughs> uh, no, this has me. This definitely has me thinking. I mean, there, here's the thing. I know somebody who would be a like a villain, but I feel like it'd be very street level. I think you know who I'm talking about. Go and ahead, then I, say the name so we can bleep it. <laughs> all right. Well, <laughs> would be a, uh, a he would be a menace to society for sure, maybe, but he would never like reach above like robbing a bank he wouldn't have machinations to like change the fabric of reality he would just want to you know do you think he could pull off robbing a bank but we're imagining if he was an alternate universe capable of this today uh i think he could start robbing a bank i don't know if he could follow through with everything required to be a successful bank robber you know anybody can go into a bank and wave a gun around or you know write a note and hand it to a teller it's the question is, can you get away with it? And can you, you know, actually spend the money fruitfully? Mm -hmm. the, the, you got to remember that. That's like the way I think of it is if you live on the second story, uh, the second story apartment or third story, wherever, anything you take up with you eventually when that lease ends and you decide not to resign, you're going to take back down. So think through the full follow through before you buy that couch. But isn't uh, the hard part getting it up there? Well, I mean, it's it's harder to get it up than to get it down, but it's still going to be a pain in the ass to get it down. Okay, so that's that's the person I would say would be a minor supervillain. Um, there is somebody from my life that if they were to have turned evil, and maybe they have in their old, you know, later in life, I haven't checked in with them, but I had an old school chum named who was the right level of uh, charismatic and... Um, intelligent i think to have pulled off such a level and you know i i you know he was flamboyant enough to i think to make for a fun super villain you know somebody a little more closer to the joker or to uh you know who's, who else is a good super villain that's just fun to watch you know definitely not a lex luther not like that kind but you know um but when i say the joker i do mean the more you know razzpataz i don't mean like you know cutting people open and taking out their guts or anything like that I just imagine, you know, uh, how about, you know, not uh, was it Frankenfurter from um, Rocky Horror Picture Show? You know, that sort of that sort of, you know, fun, flamboyant. You know, I have villainous intent, but I also I do it with a smirk on my face. So if all the people I've known in my life, I feel like he would have been the one I would most want to see become a fun supervillain. And give us a description of their latest plot for global catastrophe. Well, I think like like any good supervillain, like they're really he would really be trying to uh, just upset the status quo and make people think. So it's like, you know, as a villainy is always a matter of perspective. So if I remember 
correctly, I think that they would have tried to ga- like use some sort of chemical or mind-altering substance to make an entire urban populace just want to ravagely make out with everybody in their immediate vicinity. Okay. I remember, I remember them being big on kissing. Like I, I can't speak to their sexuality. I feel like they were pretty. The, was pretty much straight, but I think he had a, a fondness for making out with anybody and everybody. So, you know, <laughs> if, if you're out there, you know, feel free to contact the, the show and let us know um, how how is the making out going. But also, yeah. uh, well, feel free to get real liberal with the bleeping here. <laughs> uh, but that's that's basically that, that, that. I think that answers the question. I mean, I feel like I could have come up with a little bit more razzmatazz on that one. But, you know, I think I, I, I personally would love if I was a, a villain, just, you know, the hippie villain, you know, free love. You know, I'm going to make all the when make all the, the straight, you know, the straight square people, you know, make out with each other. Okay. Now it sounds like uh, we have an interesting future ahead of us if you ever turn, take a turn for the, the dark side. All right. This uh, is actually a, a great segue because the third and final question does talk a little bit about the future. Okay. And your future in particular. All right. All right. If you were somehow able to, through a miracle of science, evolve into your own distinct species, what would be the top three defining qualities of your species? Ability to hibernate. Okay, that makes sense. (laughs) So we're talking about some kind of creature that hibernates frequently. Like yeah. year round, like what? What is the hibernation cycle? Like? I, I imagine it being like the same, like how humans, like some species of animal, have like their mating seasons, and humans can just mate whenever. Uh, I feel like it might be very similar. It's like just when in need or when it, the mood strikes me. I just hibernate. random hibernation yeah. cycle. Just, just random hibernation cycle. <laughs> so this yeah. is just like kind of like uh, what narcolepsy, narcoleptic hibernation. <laughs> yeah, narcolepsy with more agency. I would say. <laughs> okay. Um, so, uh, what is that called in being a solo? There's a, there's actually a term. I, I can't remember where somebody basically just sleeps, uh, like almost endlessly. They have a hard time just being awake and conscious. Um, so, okay. This is where you're projecting your, your trajectory, evolutionary trajectory. So it's hard to be conscious. Oh, you know, I, I, I'm all about enjoying. So yeah, I think, uh, a bill, like, I think like that ability to store, like, Water and fat would be really great, sort of like a camel. Um, so I think <laughs> so those two kind of go together. To store of water and fat and like a hump on your back. Well, maybe it, maybe like it's a, a hump on my back. <laughs> like what's so far we've you're a humpback narcoleptic. <laughs> mm. And um, I think I mean at that point it's it, you just. I'll say this ultimate life, uh, ultimate hack for an animal in this day and age is being adorable to humans. So I think whatever, wh- whatever this uh, uh, like narcoleptic humpback looks like, it is cute as hell. The, there's fan art. People would be shocked <laughs> to find out that somebody hunted one of me. So let me, let me get this straight. Your, your, <laughs> your projection of your evolutionary trajectory, if you were to represent an entire species would be a humpback narcoleptic that people keep as a pet. <laughs> I mean, doesn't that sound great to you? Yeah, I guess I'd sign up for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. As, especially like imagine like you know how uh, some humans like keep, you know, like certain types of uh, plants around because they specifically don't need a lot of watering or attention. Like yeah, imagine having uh, like I have 
two cats and a dog and boy do they need attention it would be something out of this world to have an animal that like be it's like oh it's asleep all day you know like there's just some days it's just asleep all day and it barely needs to eat or drink like i just have to feed it like once a week you know feed it and give it water once a week now granted i'm giving it like a lot of food at once but i just have to remember to do that weekly <laughs> so just to, to recap you're a narcoleptic humpback pet that requires little to no attention can be mostly forgotten but occasionally requires vast amounts of food and water yeah i th hey game freak sounds like you got a new pokemon on your hands get to Ooh. it okay so last question would you play this again Yes, I would. Wait, which? Uh, okay. I, here's a question. Did I get my foot in my mouth? I think somehow you managed to not get your foot in the mouth. So here's the idea behind this game. So like, generally speaking, I feel like uh, people like to have like play games where they're conversation starters. There's a lot of conversation games where it's like, here's a deep question. But the questions are always like really boring and obvious. So like, I was like, what if... <laughs> What if you saw you you, you had a, a a game like that, but all the questions were like super bizarre and made people think about life in ways that they would rather not to? Mm -hmm. I think the first question was the one like that almost should have been the the showstopper right there because that was the one I felt most like was a minefield. Like, how do you get through that question with you know answering that question honestly, like without saying something that's going to get your partner upset? And I can't speak. For, I think that if Kitty was here, she would disagree on me having answered that well. Yeah, I don't think you can answer that one successfully. No, no. Like you can from the audience. The audience could probably be like, yeah, you, you did fine, but your partner's always going to be like, say it again that I'm an infection. What? <laughs> 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 no, I'm not saying you're an infection. I'm saying that like there are some ways that infections and relationships are similar in positive ways. Mm -hmm. Like a really yeah. good partner maybe like infects you with positive qualities. I think okay. I have a I have a iteration on this game already. Okay, let's do it. Uh, who's sleeping on the couch? And so it's all it's all meant to be like a relationship based, you know, uh, taboo kind of game where you have to you know talk about relationships and in like the way that uh, the infection in a relationship is. And the idea of the game is who whom amongst you will be sleeping on the couch tonight? Yeah, and like you get extra points if your relationship ends on the spot. <laughs> You know, I think I, I, we need more relationship testers out there. I think I feel like we're just all so positive and like happy that people are in love. It's like you never want to be the person who's like poo pooing on a relationship, but you know, sometimes you just need to take take it out back and like really give it a solid whack to see if it can stand up to uh, to the scrutiny. Well, <laughs> I don't know if this is the litmus test I think people should be using and be like, yeah, it's good, but can it withstand a whack out back? <laughs> well, I love the idea of marketing a party game. It's like, can your relationships withstand? <laughs> like, well, I feel like there would just be people all over the world, like their partner would show up with this and they're like, oh God, I'm in for a world of hurt. There's no way I escape this. Because mm -hmm. oh, then if you me, don't want to play, it's like, well, why don't you want to play the game? <laughs> what do you got to say? Yeah. What a great marketing strategy. What? You don't want to, you don't want to play the game? A what's, game that no one wants to play. What's what's wrong? What's wrong with your relationship? You don't think your relationship could stand a game? It's just a game. You don't think it's strong enough? Let's All take right. it out back and give it a whack. Let us know if you want us to uh, play more of the taste of foot. <laughs>
Okay, and uh, <laughs> and for the folks who want to participate at home, Danny, why don't you go ahead and repeat the three questions so that they can remember and you know answer those questions, whether on our Discord or in, on their own TikTok accounts. Okay, so you can answer between one and three of these questions. Choose the one you want to answer. To answer all of them, you can do it on the Game of the Week uh, channel on our TikTok, I mean, on our Discord, or just send us a, a TikTok and tag us. And uh, if it's... Uh, one of our favorites, we'll, we'll share it. Um, so question number one is explain how the following two things are alike in a favorable way, favorable way, a relationship and an infection. Number two is who of the people you know would be most likely to be a supervillain in an alternative universe? Why? And give us a description of their latest plot for global catastrophe. And number three is if you were somehow able to, through a miracle of science, evolve into your own distinct species, what would be the top three defining qualities of your species? And that's it. That's Excellent. A little well, sampling afoot. There. And if you want to play that game and uh, uh, tag us on TikTok, we are at Megamoth Studios on TikTok. If you, uh, you could create a reel for it, couldn't you, on Instagram. And on Instagram, you would tag us at x underscore seekers underscore of underscore fortune. Now, if you wanted to hit us up on Facebook, you could post your answer to our wall on x seekers of fortune. You'll find us there on Facebook. And if you just want to, um, I don't know what the other way. Oh, if you wanted to find our Discord, that's right. Yeah, you could go to our website. So if you just Google X Secrets of Fortune, our website will be the top result. But if you want to type it in, it's megamossstudios.com. There you're going to find a link to our Discord. And in the Discord, I'm sure we'll have a place set up for you to submit your answers. And we do, we'll take that in uh, you know, text or we'll take that in video. Yep, sounds good. Don't forget, Tuesday Night X is also every every week, and that is an event that you don't want to miss. Well, I mean, Danny, I was planning on doing nothing this Tuesday. Well, if you're going to do absolutely nothing, you should definitely come out to Tuesday Night X from 8 p.m. to 12 midnight Central Standard Time. Okay, well, I'll consider it, Danny. Um, but did you have anything else you wanted to share on the podcast before we go? Uh, you know, I don't think so. I think we're, we're, we're pretty good to, uh, call this one, you know, a podcast. All right, folks. And with that, we're going to say goodbye. This, I've been Joel reminding you that you have to start somewhere. So why not here? Yeah. And I'm Danny and reminding you that you should support your local game stores by showing up and buying product. Even if it's more expensive, there's a reason for it. They're giving you a place to, to meet, gather with your friends and we all count on them. And uh, yeah, happy shuffling. Theme music by James Hilden, produced and edited by William Wymore. <laughs>